0: The agenda for today is purely about sharing essential knowledge about CMMC because there are some gotchas in there. Um, We'll go through those and we'll we'll summarise those at the end. The agenda is is purely to to share this essential knowledge, some insight. And uh, as you can probably tell, we like to have a bit of fun with this. So uh, it's it's quite a dry topic. I think we would all agree on that. So let's, uh, let's have some fun with it. There is no sales pitch. That's not the way we roll. Um, you are, of course, very welcome to reach out to myself or any of the panelists or anyone on this call, for that matter, if you wanted to take the conversation further, that's up to you. And this purely is about sharing what we know. So onto onto our panelists. Um, Dashda Deckworth is the president of Stealth Group. She's our CISO, board advisor, and she's a provisional assessor, and you'll see a theme here. Um, Layton Johnson, CTO and founder of ISFMT Inc., also a provisional assessor. Um, Brian Johnson, guys, you're not related, right? No, 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 no relation. Uh, he's a cyber consultant at Sentiel, also a provisional assessor. Um, David Fairburn, president of Cyber Pros NLC, uh, cyber program architect, author, provisional assessor, and uh, Jeff here, Jeff Dalton, who's uh, who's kind of snuck in. I believe I'm not quite sure what your title is, Jeff. You might want to share, but I know you're something senior within CMMC. So, if you wouldn't mind just sharing that,
1: I order the lunches and clean the bathrooms most. At <laughs> <now>. least <laughs> modesty in the show. Oh. Okay. I, I'm just, I'm just, I just, I literally came to hear you guys talk. I don't have any agenda whatsoever, but I am oh. uh, chair of the credentialing committee and uh, one of the instructors. So,
0: Me. Well we're, we're honored to and uh, grateful to have you here. So thank you for that.
2: Um, for anyone it's that nice has- to hear those
1: words after reading LinkedIn all day.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I thought you would have learned by
1: now. Yeah, right. I, I should just delete I should just delete my uh, my user ID. Yeah, yeah.
2: we're
1: well, going have any fun.
2: We don't,
0: don't
3: <laughs> have off read it as well. That's
0: uh, all yeah, right. No, this is gonna <laughs> be one of those herding cats webinars, I can tell.
4: And turn on <laughs> your solar wind server. So
0: Yeah. <laughs> The questions are at slido.com, not all of them because we have we have various means of receiving questions, but if you have any questions as we go, uh, either use the chat function or uh, go to slido.com. The number, um, the, uh, what do they call it? The, the number that you need to get this particular webinar is 82625. And Gerald, if you wouldn't mind putting that number in the chat so folks can see that um, as we go. So, as I've mentioned, this is so much better when it's interactive, so jammies or not, cameras on, if you wouldn't mind, it's, they're not insisting on it. It just makes for a really nice experience for the panelists to see who's speaking and, uh, and to have a chat. Um, uh, mute please, if you wouldn't mind, because you know we've all got some degree of background noise, I've got dogs and, and leaf blowers going around here, so I'll be on mute when I've stopped speaking. Um, and other than that, let's make a start. So any questions at this particular point, to just wave, uh, wave if you wanna ask a question. If not, then we'll make a start. So, CMMC, what's that all about? What does it stand for? So, um, cybersecurity, maturity model, certification. So what's it about? It's, um, it's about DOD contractors and data, pretty much different types of data having to be secured in certain ways. That is the, what we would call in the UK, the noddy view of CMMC. Um, I'd like to invite our panelists, perhaps Jeff, as you're, you're so senior in, the, in that organization, perhaps what's the, what's the elevator pitch sentence for CMMC? Why, why should we be bothered? Uh,
1: CMMC is a, a uh, cyber performance maturity model to help us all get focused around the right things and increase performance over time by going through the maturity levels. Right.
3: So, and the end sets. game is to protect our cyber assets. Um, of course.
1: Of course. Yeah. 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 But the important thing is that it's not a test to pass, right? It's it's a model for us to use as a baseline. Right. The object isn't to pass the assessment. The object is to improve the performance of your cyber cyber posture, right?
0: So and keep improving it's important. it and make sure it doesn't dip below that level yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean
1: the assessment's just a way of you know, like rallying around a, an, agree, an agreed upon point is all it really is about for and sure. you know the, the more people talk about passing it the worse it gets so.
0: Right I think the, the key for me you know we, we're going to talk about defaults and get into some detail but this this isn't a self-assessment. <laughs> Uh, I think that's, uh, I'd like to get that point out there. Now, we will cover off the major points at the end, but it's not a self-assessment. It's not something you can kind of guess at and, uh, and then all of a sudden you, you're you working on um, DOD contracts. It's uh, it's a lot more serious than that. It's, it has tea, basically, you know, my, my elevator pitch would be it's kind of, kind of uh, defiles with tea or missed with tea.
5: So- I think uh, I think the big thing we got to keep in mind is this is about supply chain risk. And this is about contractors who are providing the support to DOD and so it's incumbent upon all organizations that supply something to DOD to manage their information appropriately and so that's where we get the idea around you know um, getting evaluated or looking at it or those types of things because historically we have had huge problems around Contractors managing their information in their locations, not in a DoD location, but in their location, over the last five, six, eight years, and that's really what ultimately DoD is is striving for is a is a, a way to manage that.
0: Sure, I mean the size of the risk, according to CNNC, I think I, I saw three hundred thousand contractors in scope. And this is a, you know this is a sliding exercise. It will go four or five years, but that's the size of the problem: 300,000 VOD contractors. So so okay. So we we kind of mentioned DFARS and NIST a little bit. So Dasher, if you could take us perhaps into another layer of detail. You know, how is all of that connected? Um, how how did this evolve? Um, j- just link CMMC to, to DFARS and NIST if you wouldn't mind.
6: Okay, so DFARS is really the the Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement, which pretty much governs how to do business with the DOD. And in there, it states, particularly the contractor shall implement NIST 800-171. So CMMC is built on DFARS and the fact that DR requirements of um, NIST 800-171. So CMMC builds on NIST 800-171, so you have to meet those requirements. But on top of that, there's a delta that was put in place by CMMC, which are 20 additional areas that NIST does not have. And also the maturity model. So basically you have to meet the DFARS contractual requirements, you have to meet NIST, you have to meet the maturity level, and then you also have the 20 deltas that are outside of NIST that were added to CMMC. So it's a, it's a combination of different things, legal, technical, and of course, maturity model. So that's in a nutshell.
0: For sure, great, thank you for that. And, and I know we're gonna cover that in a little more detail, but um, let, let's let's just pivot to the data for a second because you know you hear FCI and CUI and CTI and lots of data related acronyms. Um, what what do we need to know as a group about types of data and and their relevance to different levels of CMMC?
5: Well, we got a couple of different areas that we have to focus on. First is the federal contract information that DOD provides to each contractor when they sign the contract. Um, That's the first step. That's the DFARS areas of coverage is typically in those areas. That's the information that the company gets from DoD about their standard contract efforts, it's not public. Uh, That's what that is covered. And you have to have a certain set of management criteria, um, 17 at level one, total of 20 when we get to level three of those mechanisms around the contract information. Then we have controlled, unclassified information, which are the particulars about the contract, what the organization's going to do, what are they providing, uh, what's DOD expecting back from them, all sorts of different levels of that type of controlled information that's not in the national security realm, so therefore it's unclassified, but it is controlled because they don't want it to be released to everybody in the world as to what's going on, who's building what, what size, what type, those types of things. There are 14 or 15 different types of that information. Um, The federal organization that oversees that is the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA, and they have produced for the last four or five years a set of criteria around how that's to be managed. DOD has adopted it, adjusted it to handle the specifics that DOD has as part of those processes. Parts of that includes technical information, it'll include defense information, that type of thing, not national security related, but nonetheless important for the suppliers to use To be able to produce what DoD wants under their particular contracts.
4: There is a place
5: at NARA that's called the CUI registry that lists all those things for us to be able to understand in generic terms, not specific to the contract but in generic terms. And so then this whole process is designed around how the contractors manage that type of information
0: right so is it fair to say just a rule of thumb that uh, fci is pretty much in scope for levels one and two and then cui is the focus for three four and five is that just as a rule of
5: thumb is mm, that fair? i wouldn't say fci is throughout all of it so mm. um yeah we start with the fci information true at level one it increases the Um, components around how we manage the cybersecurity of it at level two as we transition to CUI. And so level two is basically a transition step between FCI and CUI. And then we get full on on level three for the standard CUI components, all of them, and four and five takes an extra Focal point in certain areas around certain cybersecurity perspectives and ideas, um, threats and those types of things at level four and five. Okay, thank you for that. That's that's
0: clarified something for me. I didn't know that, so Uh, thank you
3: for that. Along with that, uh, I would say too that there's kind of been some debates as far as with CMMC and the data that it generates as we're doing assessments as to whether or not that information that is generated through the CMMC process, it too becomes CUI. Wow. I, I've seen a lot of communication and stuff going back and forth saying, you know, like an SSP, that's CUI, no, that's not generated from the government, so it's not a CUI. So I don't know if maybe the definitions from NARA might change with CMMC. Wow. And just another comment too, you made a, a comment earlier that, uh, that these are basically a self-assessment, but it has teeth to it, and I think uh, CMMC has some has a lot of traction. I'm starting to see through other agencies and also on the private side because it's accountability. That's that's the teeth you're talking about. This is the first time that a a uh, a framework has been put out there, a cybersecurity one that has accountability tied to it. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's going to be interesting on CY. With the definition of that changes, but then it's going to be see more on to how, what kind of teeth, I guess you might say accountability that goes with that management.
0: Great point, Brian. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So while we're on the subject of the data then, uh, PII, what's the relationship between PII and, and CUI? Who'd like to uh, talk to that?
5: Well, quickly, I can tell you that PII is one of the categories that NARA lists as CUI, okay, Uh, first and foremost. And so since we're talking about contractual information and contractual obligation information being delivered, there's not a lot of PII because the information is about what's being supplied, you know, in support of contracts. Is it there? Sure. Absolutely. You know, who's doing it at what level at one point and potentially that type of information. And so PII is there um, as part of those efforts, but, um, you know, it's not a major focus because we're talking about contractual information, performance, delivery, building widgets, whatever it might be here. So there's not a lot of focus on Customer information there because the customer is DOD or a DOD agency. Yeah. You know, and I guess
0: a, that information is publicly available. You know, it's not it's not so private, is it? So okay.
5: Good yeah, answer. It's Thank not you personal, we'll put it that way. Right, for the yeah. most part. Is not it personally. in there? Yes. yes. Is it an our category for CUI? Yes. Okay. But this, in support of what we're doing here, it's still, you know not a super focus. it's not the primary focus we'll put it that way. Um, right. that's part of this process.
7: Okay. Hey Robert, this is Vince, could I pile on to that? Sure so 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 for me and this is one of the things late now I, I, you know all the the, the, the non practitioners that may be on here, I think the key to this is whether or not it's government information if if you have collect PII for your company, that's not CUI because it is not federal information. If you have PII that you collect on behalf of the federal government, so let's say you know, you're know, you on contract to run a course and you're collecting uh, social security numbers as a part of that or personally identifying information otherwise defined as a part of that, then that's federal information because you're collecting it on behalf of the federal government. If you're not collecting it on behalf of the federal government, uh, or it wasn't given to you as federal government information, uh, it doesn't meet the criteria for CUI.
0: Okay, it's not, it's got Vincent, was that your question in Slido? Was that your comment?
3: We hit the debate right on the head.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. All right, great. Great, okay. I think any more questions on data or any more, any more points from the panel that we need to, to make very clear about the data?
2: Yeah, I think um, one of the major benefits of the CMC model is that regardless of whether it's PII or CUI data that is officially classified as such, the Mm -hmm. protection mechanisms are in place throughout this entire model to make sure that we address those appropriately, regardless of whether NARA or anyone else for that matter, decides to change a definition of what is categorized as CUI or PII. As we all know, PII has undergone a number of definition changes over the years. And this particular model, unlike the others, really takes all of this into account. So we're able to focus on the data and implement the correct uh, security controls.
0: Gotcha. Great point, thanks Dave. Thank you. Okay, I think we've done the data to death. It's uh, just keeping track on time, we've got a lot to cover. So, okay, we've mentioned levels. There are five levels. We know that. Who would like to to get into a little detail around the, the levels and the differences between them, and even to the extent maybe of of you know how many of the uh, NIST eight hundred one seven one activities apply per levels. That, I'm, I have a table I could flash up, but I don't want to do that. Let's uh, let's let's talk to it for now. So who would like to go through
2: okay, the levels? I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Okay. So essentially, again, there's there's five levels. Um, every, and the key thing to remember is that they are cumulative. You cannot get to level five without doing one through four. So yeah. to kind of uh, reaching back to Leighton's point about, you know, uh, FCI is a level one. Well, ultimately, you know, they had to address for that at, at level one. So it kind of snowballs all the way or waterfalls, if the case may be. I don't want to use the term snow because of, you know, <laughs> So, you know, it waterfall. it's, a key, it, it's it waterfall. a key
0: point, ladies and gentlemen, this is a cumulative exercise.
2: Yeah. Right. So one is, you know, it's a basic cyber hygiene, uh, essentially, uh, as an assessment, and, and I will always use the term assessment, not audit. Uh, so as an assessment, you're going in to make sure that the practices that are in their 17 of them that have to be in place are truly there. Do the people that are uh, implement them and have to manage those practices, do they understand it? Do they uh, put that information out to their staff so that the information is understood by all? Um, Level two, this is where the documentation comes into play. Do you have security plans? Uh, Are your processes documented, approved, and signed, and so on? And it just, it escalates up. So level three. They called it good uh, cyber hygiene, but this is where you pick up an additional 45 controls, and there's 13 others that get added as well. So where you started off with 17 practices in one, by the time you're at level three, you're at 130 plus uh, different uh, practices that you have to have. And ultimately, it's going to go up to 171 controls, I believe. Once you get up to level five, uh, I would consider that uh, the equivalent of today's FISMA, um, uh, Federal Information Security Management Act uh, requirements, where you have a mature process of uh, identifying the need for controls, developing, implementing, documenting, managing, repeat. You know, it's a continuous effort; it never stops. But that's what's required to have real-time security awareness as to what your environment is and this is helpful whether you're doing it on your own or whether you're doing it on or behalf of the federal government um, so it's highly recommended that everybody go to, to a level five from my perspective okay right. not because the assessments are, are more detailed but because the accountability is there's such a light to get shown down on that you know that it's it's hard for people to outsource that. You can always outsource your responsibility. You cannot outsource accountability. And so, sure. so that takes care of that problem. For sure. I think uh, just to go off piece a little bit,
0: would it be fair to say you know, in, in the real world, DOD contractors um, have you know, budgets are finite. Um, you know, Getting to level five is, is likely to be more expensive than level three. Is it fair to say that the majority of contractors will be looking at, uh, at level three?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I would expect the major defense contractors uh, to go to level five. But for the most part, you're absolutely right. The greatest majority will not need anything beyond level three.
0: I think I saw a number that said for level five, there might be 20 or so, you know, top level contractors that would be looking at, at getting yeah. into that level, just know, to that. We we
2: yeah. But we're not going to publicize them here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Okay, well, so what so what does determine the level then? I think that's a fair question, fair follow-on question. I'm sorry, could you repeat repeat the question? So, so what determines the level? What, uh, how do you know whether you need to be bothered about level one or level five as a
2: as a contractor? Um, I'll I'll punt that over to late.
5: Okay. Yeah. Uh, number one, there's two ways that that gets looked at. The first one is the DoD perspective, which is going to be they're going to put the required level in the request for proposals that the contract organization who wins has to have upon award of the contract and so they'll say level 3 they'll say level 1 they'll say level 4 whatever it might be right in the RFP in the request for proposal that's a choice that is made by the program office that's a choice made by the contracting officer, that's DOD's view. And that's what will have to be there for each contract to actually get awarded to whomever is the winning party of the evaluation. The second view that is currently happening is DOD has projected that about 75% of their contracts roughly um, in that neighborhood would be level one only. Then they said there would be another, oh, about 15% that would be level three. But what I have seen in the marketplace just over the last six months um, is that most all contractors are shooting for level three because that makes them eligible to be able to bid on contracts. And so that's what they're looking at from that perspective and we've seen in the marketplace and many companies that I've talked to over the last four or five months that are looking at it from, well, I can then be eligible. And so I want that.
0: Can I just stop you at that point? So is it fair to say that eligibility is one thing, but but actually the requirement is to be certified at point of award, not point of RFP release?
5: That is correct. It is at point of award, and they've made that very clear. And all of their information is that you need to be at the assigned level in the RFP at the point of award of the contract.
0: Brian, I'm sorry, I cut across you there. Did you have something you wanted to jump in on?
3: Oh, I've just uh, confirmed with, with what he said that I've yet to have one client. I've talked to several of them that want a level one. Every one of them is asking for a level three. So, right.
2: right. And yeah. it's yeah. one of those situations where it's better to have it and never use it than want to use right. it and have it. Yeah. Layton, do you see a, any contracts coming
4: out that would, would be at a level four, level five, or are they all going to come out uh, at a minimum level three? So, most people The
5: initial ones will all be Level 3 because Level 4 and Level 5's um, uh, online reference criteria is based upon a NIST document that's not final yet. And so when that happens, we'll see Level 4 and Level 5 come out. But at this point, which is 800-172, that's still in draft. It's still in final draft version. It's not official yet. And so there's, you can't really set a criteria because there's still a possibility of some of those being reworded or changed.
0: Got it, got it, okay. So I think we've covered the levels, any any questions? Let me just check to see if we've got any questions about levels. Um, you no, know? okay, let's get on to, let's, let's pivot again ever so slightly into finding an assessor. How do you find someone? What's the process? You know, you, you see acronyms, RPO and C3PA, <laughs> 3PAO, and R2D2. I don't know, let's do the Star Wars. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so what's the engagement model? How do, how do folks, uh, they know they need CMMC to some level and they want a conversation about it, how do they engage?
6: So right now, during the provisional assessment or the, during the provisional phase, Um, Everything goes through the CMMC AB board, so basically through Jeff and and his team. So everybody who is currently bidding on a contract that has any of our RFP that currently has a requirement in there for CMMC certification, they would need to contact the CMMC AB board and they are currently reviewing and prioritizing just because there are not that many assessors yet. Uh, I think we don't even have a C, a completed C3PAOs just yet. So they're handling it at this point. Once we have, once all the verbiage on the DOD side is completed um, and we have everything, the C3PAOs out there, there will be an official marketplace on the CMMCAB side or website where you can go and see who is all out there, who is a certified assessor, who is a C3PAO company, who is an RPO, who is an RP. So basically all the consultants, the companies, the certifiers, the assessors that have been or have gone through the training by the CMMC board, they will be listed there. So you can then reach out to them directly and and engage them.
0: Okay, so putting myself in the position of somebody that needs these services, I heard RPO, I heard C3PAO, I heard RP. (laughs) Um, and I'm shaking my head thinking what the hell is the difference between that and all? Who'd like to take that question?
5: <laughs> I'll take it. All right, all right. Let's start first and foremost. Um, DOD only announced the first seven contracts yesterday that require CMMC um, accreditation. Those are oh, the okay. first ones and those yeah, were put out yesterday. All right. okay. uh, so that initial process to go through the initial efforts for the next six, eight months is going to be focused on those before mm-hmm. anybody else gets to it, all right? So question, that's like, the first what, thing to what, keep what in level, mind. What level mm-hmm. did they come out to? What level did they, they come out I at? haven't read them. I just know that they announced which ones yesterday, okay. all right? Um, I haven't gotten the RFPs to read them, but that's what they did. So, and most of those were pre-selected by DOD intentionally because mm-hmm. of the information they have, because of what they cover, because of the contracture structures that need to be put in place. I mean, clearly there was a couple of them that are very, very big um, and others that aren't, but you know, that type of thing. Second, uh, there's two primary organizations to always keep in mind when you're looking for assistance in assessment aff- efforts. You've got the, um, the, um, the RPOs, which are the consulting group to help everybody get ready. Okay, mm-hmm. And they all have um, potentially assessors assigned with them through either direct W-2 criteria or 1099 contract and they will have registered practitioners who are versed uh, in CMMC to assist the organizations to get ready. Then there's going to be the second part which is the assessing organizations which are called uh, C3PAOs There isn't any official C3PAO yet, at least not as of last night in our long-term discussion at the AB. There's nobody there yet. There are several organizations who are close, but there's nobody listed officially yet, all right, as part of those processes. So nobody can actually perform an official assessment until the C3PAOs are in place, and so that's where the provisional assessors that are on will be functioning and doing those as they come up as part of those processes. The right. CMMCAB is guiding that process. They put together an incredible background of support mechanisms to be able to do this. Um, they are bringing in uh, ISO standards around certification for organizations, certifications for individuals. Um, they themselves have to go through a certification for being an accrediting body, et cetera. All, right. All of that to put it in standard practice. But the two organizations, um, the one other thing I do want to catch is that c 3 pos can also perform pre-assessment consulting but the minute they do that, they cannot be the assessing organization at all. That's a total split. There's a conflict of interest clearly there. So it's one or the other from the C3PAO perspective. But RPOs right. can do the pre-assessment consulting thing. They cannot accredit.
0: Right, so it's a question of marking your own homework. You cannot mark yep. your own homework. The CMMCAB ab marks the homework of the C3PAO once the yes. assessment has concluded.
5: So it's. it's that is correct. I, I mean, the C3PAOs C3. report their findings to the AB, who then issues the certification to the contracting or contractor.
0: Right. So there's that extra check in there. So. Mm-hmm. You know, you Absolutely. Get and if budget.
5: there's any disputes or issues, you know, they don't like what they got or whatever, the CMMC right. AB has an entire dispute process in place.
7: Robert, can I ask about that? Yes. Yeah, so Layton, I read about um, uh, changes on the fact page from the DoD acquisition website that actually changed the AB as being the issuer to the C3PAO being the issuer, uh, which was a surprise to me. Can you comment on that?
5: Refer that one to Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, we're
0: so glad you're here. <laughs>
1: yeah, like I said, I'm just listening. But um, a couple of things. Um, that is true. Uh, it's a it's a residual effect of the ISO 1711 journey that we're on. Um, so if you look at how ISO works, if you if you get an ISO 27,001 accreditation, for instance, it's actually the registrar. Or they're what they call the certification body, that 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 gives you a certificate. Essentially, they hand it to you. Um, that is true. That we when by the time we are a 1711 organization, that will be the case for sure. The transitionary period, which is 24 months in duration has yet to be planned out. And I'm actually going to be on the hook for that myself. So um, I'm working on it now. So I don't Ah, So,
7: So what you're saying is this is the long-term plan that the AB is going to issue the certificate, but uh, pending that ISO certification, we're going to have to come up with another accommodation.
1: Well, there's going to, I'm reluctant to say, you know, it'll be 24 months and then all of a sudden we'll change. I think there's going to be a transitionary period. We are going to, it, ha- it isn't clear yet exactly what transitions when or what's going to be immediate and what isn't. Sounds to me like the DOD put that on their websites. I hadn't heard that. So sounds like that's something they're very interested in doing you know, pretty much right away. So I, I don't have a definite answer for that. But there's a whole slew of things that are going to be required of us and the C3PAOs because of ISO. Um, that is one of them. So there are others as well.
7: So I would presume by that, I, I was also interested in how that was going to impact the arbitration process. To me, that seemed to be a pretty significant shift, um, but it sounds like maybe that 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 needs to be planned out as we move from provisional assessments yeah. that really don't count to ones that were holding people accountable.
1: Yeah, the ISO 1711 um, requirement, which is something we believe in and, and agreed to, wasn't, well, I, it was... It was unclear until the contract was released that that was going to be part of our mission. So there were a number of things that we planned on that now have to transition. Now, like I said, it's a 24-month period. Some things will transition right away. Some won't be. We won't be able to transition right away. I don't know exactly what those things are yet, but that is definitely one of them that will transition. I don't know when or whether it's soon or later. Uh, we have a deliverable due at the end, the end of this month to uh, define all of that. So it's being worked right now.
0: Thanks. Jeff. Thanks. Thanks. Vince. I think it's fair to say for those guys that for those folks that joined to learn something and get some insight about CMMC, I, I hope this is delivering for you because it is for me. Um, I, I have a question uh, in the chat just related to levels and assessments. So it's, you know, we're not going completely off topic. So Um, Can a small company obtain a Level 1 certification without going through a CMMC audit, we call it assessment, with a self-assessment? We currently don't have any contracts, but we want to be able to bid on contracts as as a sub before getting into a long long process to obtain a Level 3 in the coming years. So, we want to get to Level 1 and we want to self-assess, I think is the question. I guess self-assessment
5: enough. is exactly what CMMC is taking off the table, is self-assessment. Exactly. Right. Uh, it has to be a third-party assessment process. Can they get the third-party assessed at level one? Yes, easily. Yeah. They just get onto the marketplace once it's up and running and has everybody there, uh, negotiate with a C3PO, and if they're ready then have the assessment performed all right the point is self-assessment is being taken off the table for all new contracts that's the other thing to understand about cmmc it's only focused on new contracts starting one december this year it's not focused on current efforts whatsoever and so that's why there's this five-year transition window because most federal contracts from DoD are five years in length when you take all the options. And that's exactly why they did it that way. All right. Is because of that timing, you know, one plus four or whatever they do in those efforts with their contractual obligations. And so this is only for new. This is only for um, uh, it's for all levels. But as we progress, the contract documentation, the request for proposals to determine the required level for the awardees of the contract. If an organization wants to get a level one so that they can bid on contracts in the future, there's no problem with doing that. It's part of the marketplace. It's designed around doing that because we'll have both uh, RPOs and C3PAOs on the marketplace. Um, assessors are individualized, licensed in our efforts as part of our processes as well. Um, you know, C3PAOs are going to have to be 17020 qualified. Um, the AB's got to be 17011 uh, certified. Um, eventually, all the assessors are going to have to end up getting. The 17024 certification, as the case may be, you know, some of us are already there because of other certifications we have. But, you know, that's eventually going to have to come into play as well as we go through all of this so that there's a, a level of trustworthiness on what's being performed for them.
0: Great. So no self-assessment. It was William actually, William Eubank that uh, that raised that. He raised he's he's raised a point. I don't know if it's a question. Perhaps it's a discussion point. Um, he spoke to William. Did you want to go with this, or do you want me to read it for you? It's up to you.
8: Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Davies, and I appreciate you asking that first question. Um, that was something that eluded us. Uh, we read, and my CTO was anxious <laughs> to get a self assessment done and completed and documented and then start bidding on level one contracts. And I I told him, Mm -hmm. uh, based off the DFARS and everything else, that that was not something that we could shortcut. We still had to have an audit. Uh, But there was no parameters that we could find anywhere that indicated when that would be made available, except when I contacted the CMCC board, um, there was a conversation between myself and them and they indicated to me that there were 15 companies going under evaluation period. And during that time timeframe uh, majority of the auditors that came out of the classes and are certified would be uh, very focused on that effort um, until after that was assessed, there would be a lessons learned that would come out of it, along with any type of mitigations and propagations that would uh, potentially come out of those um, that would then be provided to us um, until then he did not expect any contracts to come out for quite a while uh for even a level one for an rfp so uh, just the conversation that just happened about uh, three or four that were just led is a little concerning i guess robert can i jump
0: on that yeah please do this
7: yeah so uh uh uh, william i i would say let's be sure to, to to there's two different piles of things going on here. One is the self-assessment NIST 800-171. That's where that language is is currently valid, right? And so if you're a company who has the appropriate 7012, 7019, 7020 clauses and has CUI, you are still required to submit a self-assessment to the federal government in order to get any new contract, contract mod, et cetera, right? So, and that's a, do you have it? And do you have the clauses, right? So that, that's really very separate from the whole CMMC thing. Uh, and I just want to make sure that everybody was out there because if you hear, oh, basic self-assessment, I don't have to do that. No, 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 no not for NIST 800-171. That's a different rule. That's not CMMC. So don't, don't all of a sudden drop track on that and then get surprised when you can't get your next contract award.
8: Okay, thank you. No, that that's a great point. And I think that's where they actually led me uh, to that, Mr. Scott. Uh, I agree with that 100%, but it was very confusing in the language uh, based off of how it was presented. And again, with all the cl- chatter about CMMC, uh, of course, that's the thing on everyone's forefront.
7: Right, yeah, everybody's talking about CMMC, but the DOD added these two new rules for self-assessments against 7012 that we didn't really expect, I don't think, and that maybe some of the AB guys who had inside knowledge on this, but I was surprised when they came out with that requirement to turn your homework in. Now, I think there's a great debate in the community about whether or not turning your homework in is required if you just have the clause or if you have the clause and CUI. I have made the argument that that that's what the rules say is you have to have the clause and CUI. And I get that, and I, I agree with everybody who says that. I personally see it as a risk though, if you are bidding on contracts and you haven't turned your homework in and you've got stuff in the pipeline, and coming back and telling that contractor officer, hey, no, I don't have any CUI, so you I don't have turned my homework in. Give me my award. Uh, good luck with that. I, I, I think you're, you know, if you're a, a small or medium-sized business, you are putting your con- future contracts at risk if you don't have your homework turned in. And that's not a risk I'm taking for my company. Um, and that's not a risk I recommend anybody else take. You might be right. You may, you may win the war and say, yes, I am right about this. But uh, it's not a risk that I would take.
5: You know, and it's all, also incumbent upon DCMA to make that determination on current contracts because they're the ones who do the reviews for current it's not CMMC. It's not CMMC AB. I mean, we've trained DCMA's that's not, assessors. It's
7: not, yeah, it's not going to be DCMA, though, when it makes that decision. No, it's
5: going to be the, in the individual future- contracting
7: officers who... who- who often are uneducated about this. They don't know what CUI
5: is. And I they're
7: understand. going to be making the decision and holding the, the contractors accountable. And my
5: whole point is you still got to do the self-assessments right yeah, now. Yeah,
7: that's, that's where I'm at too. And there are differing opinions about that, right? Yeah, um, that, that are well CMMC, held.
5: Is CMMC's leader and the rest have all said, don't stop doing self-assessments at this point because that's still the rules right now. I mean, their phase in is 15 contracts, okay, as a pilot. They've always called it that. They call them the Pathfinder contracts. And that's what this is, uh, that's the period we're in right now. That's what this first seven of those 15 were what was announced yesterday. Okay. And so that basically sets the initial thrust into what cmmc is going to be over the next four or five years as it grows and then eventually by the end yeah, of I, I fiscal 2025
6: i would yeah, also ahead, have to say to that um nist 800 171 that was a requirement or has been a requirement for the last few years so no right. company who has been doing business should have any issues uh, at this point to do a simple self-assessment and upload it on the portal or email it to uh, to them so I think that is really the minimum requirement that we should have. And to your point, uh, Vince, uh, same, same as your company, we're in the same boat as well, is why risk it? The requirement was there for 800-171. Let's do the assessment, even if we don't have um, FCI uh, at this point, let's just put it out there. It, it never hurts, or at least my opinion, it never hurts to have everything in place or be above what is required that shows initiative, that shows. It's um, your desire as a company and interest to actually protect information versus taking a an assessment as a checkbox and just, yeah, I passed, all good. This is, and this is to what uh, Jeff said earlier, this is not a checkbox exercise. This is not a you know, audit, this is about improving, about protecting us, about protecting the government data, protecting your own company, protecting our nation. So I think this is where it's on all of us to really put time and effort into make a change and not just take the bare minimum out of what we have to do. That's just my- Can I jump in on
0: this? So, no, I I fully agree with that. So, as and this is not a plug, okay? This is not a sales pitch, but as a company, one of our straplines is, being compliant doesn't make you secure it's a mindset thing you can check boxes all day long it doesn't make you secure but if your if your intent and your endeavor is to improve the security then i think that's the way folks should be thinking so so with that in mind and, and the fact that you know con- this thing has started ladies and gentlemen like it or not it has started so you know is, it, isn't it time to be thinking about this these activities about pre-assessments and, and uh and getting a maybe a second point of view to, to get you to that to that line in the sand that we all need to cross. Just uh, just putting that out there.
6: And also to especially to what happened a couple of days ago mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> with the latest oh. uh, you know uh-huh. breach. Uh-huh. I yeah. mean nobody is safe. And what impact did it have, or does it have? We don't even know really at where we are. The investigations are still going on. Definitely, U.S. government was. Uh, was impacted very heavily and where does it come from a third party suppliers so basically us us the ones that do business with the government so let's um i think it's in all our interest to really follow the rules and uh and make the best out of it
5: absolutely i i I view it pretty simple if i'm doing the self-assessment i'm showing that i have a maturity about my approach to cybersecurity. Right. And so if I show historically since 171 went in and what 2016 or whatever it was over the last four years that I'm showing that I have a higher than initial level of maturity around my DFARS and my 171 requirements, whether they're at for level one or level three. And that's only going to advance the corporate level as well as what needs to be done because you show that. I mean, you know, as I am notoriously talked about, I always focus on the MM of CMMC. It's a maturity model, Uh okay? And so the idea of that is you got to have the processes, you got to have obviously the practices and the controls, but you got to have the procedures, you got to have the policies, all those things that don't necessarily always show up in the discussion around, uh, can I get to level one, you know, or is it with 171, you know, there's a different approach to plans. There's a different approach to all of that maturity in CMMC that advances what 171 puts in place.
0: Gotcha. Guys, I need to take a time check. We are over halfway mm-hmm. and we've still got a hell of a lot of ground to cover. And I want to want to cover as much as we possibly can for our viewers. So- um, the next question, the, the evolution of this, I think the next question is, OK, so how long does this take? I think I, and I just want to say something at this point on a previous webinar, we did say six months worth of evidence around uh, processes and stuff. That's not true. So if, if we could just cover that point off in whoever would like to answer the question. So let's perhaps use CMMC level three as an example. Um, OK, I, I need that. What do I do? How, how long does this take? Where do I start?
6: So I'll I'll get a I'll give it a go. So yeah, initially I I at least I was one of them who put out six months. Um, it is so it is a maturity level. So the whole the whole point here is you cannot on the fly just create when you have an assessor come in do the certification. If you create on the fly documents um, or do a vulnerability scan or show some kind of activities that are required for CMMC, but you haven't done that previously previously that's not gonna fly because that does not show the maturity element of what CMMC requires. Now, after clarification, I think there is still a little bit of gray areas here, but overall the guidance is it really depends a little bit on what area on the CMMC you're looking at. So for example, password changes, that's usually 60 or 90 days. Disaster recovery—it's an annual thing, so you cannot expect a you know disaster recovery test for an assessment to be done um, or have the evidence for the last four or five years. So it really depends a little bit on what it is that you're looking at, and it also depends on the on the assessor. Now we're all getting the same training; it's um, we we all are professionals in in the space, so. Yes, there is a little bit of a gray area, but if if a company can show that they're really following it and might it be the tabletop exercises for disaster recovery or might it be the monitoring of alerts, then that will work. But you still need to have the evidence to show that you're really at the maturity level. And I'm sure there's a lead nor you know, Brian, or maybe even Jeff, you can chime in on what what your take on this is, because I know we've been getting a lot of questions, and I know here in the chat as well. Is so it, it's an individual thing. Every assessor will interpret it different. So, what's your take on this?
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you that uh, it's going to be on the control on the frequency of the control. If it's a yearly control, it's hard to, to gauge maturity. Um, what I would do in that instance, I would look at, uh, it, well, it's a new policy. Does everybody know it? Does everybody understand it? And I think you're, from the interviews and stuff you get, is, that's part of the assessment. Part of the evidence that you'll gather is through interviews is I ask them, are you familiar with this policy? Can you tell me what it says? Are you following it? Type thing. But something that's brand new, they don't know anything about it. And that would go for policies that have been in place for a long time. They could have a policy that's been there for, six months and if nobody knows anything about it to me that's still immature so it all depends on the the main goal the maturity is that everybody knows it everybody follows it and everybody sees it as it then is consistently executed okay so
0: back to the the how long question then not the pre-assessment part let's assume um, okay, you've done your pre-assessment and you're pretty confident that this is all going to happen for you, you're going to get your certification, you, you engage a C3PAO company to come and do that assessment um, with all of the right levels and everything that goes with that. Okay, the, the day one, the, the um, certified assessor arrives on site, what happens next? How long does that take?
6: Well, that's, that's always a good question. How long is a piece of string? Um, it, it really depends on the scope of your, of, of the CMMC assessment. So if you,
0: just as an example, call it level three, I think that's going to be the the majority.
6: Well, it, it, it really depends. I mean, even level three, you can have multiple offices throughout the U S or even the world. Um, CMMC itself has, um, has a requirement or past COVID for sure to visit offices you have to be on site that work cannot be done remote so we have to consider that um, if in case of big um, multiple offices throughout the us there will be a sampling that can be done i don't i don't think we've got the exact number yet as in 10 percent, 20 percent Um, what needs to be sampled, but um, you have to consider travel. You have to consider where is the scope of of your CUI, FCI CUI data. And I think this is where a lot of companies right now are struggling with is setting that scope because the processes are not necessarily defined. So if you have a really defined and maybe segmented network and processes between your day-to-day commercial and regular operations versus where your FCI, CUI data and processes and technology is, that could be very quick versus assessing the entire company. So my the way I see it, recommendation is always try to make the scope smaller as possible. That will make the assessment short.
0: Right. OK, so you're right. The, it, how long is a piece of string? It depends on what you've got, how many offices, where you're at and lots of other moving parts. OK, so I guess that would be a, a discussion point for if you were to take on a, a pre-assessment. That Those are the sorts of conversations you could flush out with your pre-assessor. Um, OK, here's an interesting question. Uh, and I, I know this, there's going to be a feeding frenzy on this one. I don't know, right. We kind of answered it already, but I think we need to lay the point. Can I outsource my CMMC compliance to my managed service provider? <laughs> no.
5: No. Point blank, no. no. Absolutely um, the accountability is still accountability is still accountability. And therefore, the organization that is attempting to achieve the certification is required to manage that effort can they be supported by a managed service provider yes yes can they okay but the accountability part is still the contracting organization
2: right it goes back to what i was saying earlier you know you can always outsource responsibility for achieving a goal but you cannot outsource accountability because when there's a breach and there will be a breach you are the ones who are going to be called to account your mssp they may not even answer your phone. Yeah, they'll be under
4: the horizon at that point. Yeah. And Robert, <laughs> let, yes. let me give an example of that. So say they're, they're reaching a level three assessment and um, uh, certification, and the company doesn't wanna invest in a SIM to, to do log management. Um, they can outsource uh, MSSP to do that for them and, and set the retainers to six months, 12 months, whatever they want and have that MSSP do the log management piece for them. But they still have to be responsible for the logs and delivering the logs and making sure all of that's happening.
0: And for sure, that's a really good point. So you don't don't have to insource everything that you were previously given to your MSP, no, but you work with your MSP to make sure that those CNOC boxes are ticked, but you're ultimately accountable to make sure that they are, so.
6: And the MSSP or MSP also has to meet the security requirements on how they perform the work. They also have to have the maturity in place, especially if you put something in the cloud, you have to know where is it located? Is it in the US? Is it being moved around the world? What kind of encryption is being placed? Is somebody monitoring that? So those security requirements that you should have and have, have to have in-house, you have to place the same or you have to expect the same from your provider.
0: Right. That's a great point. Thank you, Desha. And okay,
2: uh, to kind of add on to this a little bit, uh, this is an enabler for companies to be more responsive with their MSSP yeah. for whatever services they're providing. Instead of just saying, well, you know, company XYZ handles all of my uh, all of my security work. So I'm just going to dump this on them. And then you turn a blind eye. Now you have to be involved in the process, which is where you should have been at the beginning. But Mm -hmm. that's the difference between having a checkbox mentality, which is what auditors do, versus an assessment where you go in and you can look at something in a more holistic um, viewpoint. And you can see where, uh, you know, the practices are actually occurring and that people can speak intelligently as to how their data is being handled, whether it's through an MSP or not.
0: No, great point, Dave. Great point. Thank you. I, I wanted to raise a point about poems because, you know, if you wanted to get your, get your NIST, you could have a poem to fix things in at a future date and those types of things. So I see poems mentioned in the, in the context of CMMC and, you know, perhaps during the pre, pre-assessment, it would be a good idea to have one and an SSP. Are um, poems, are kind of future fixes allowed in CMMC? No. Have at Right.
2: No. one of my it, it, favorite, no. favorite parts of CMMC. Yes. Uh, if you I compare right. it to, you know, what was the downside, what is a downside to the overall FISMA perspective is that a lot of, a lot of systems can get accredited on a POEM and a promise. And, mm-hmm. you know, then they're off to the races and they're, and they're going into production. With CMMC, you mm-hmm. cannot get certified at any level if you have POEMs. It's not about, a POEM is a great way to get there, but once you're going for that certification, have your act together, you know? Yep. That's the beautiful part for CMMC. And hats off to uh, the folks that made that decision. And, and I'm gonna put some of that on Jeff, but uh, you know, that takes a lot of foresight, you know, and, and guts to be able to make that call. And that is a, a tremendous benefit. To CMMC
0: I know
5: from my background being a security control assessor for DoD over the last 10 years as they attempted to put in RMF and FISMA criteria that was always one of the biggest deficiencies that the senior management ran into was the ability to say I'm a crow I'm approved to run but I got this hole over here I got that problem over there. You know, CMMC and taking the lessons learned from those efforts following the NIST guidance under FISMA that they implemented starting in 2014, found that to be a major deficiency. So I think that they really looked at it It's saying, which is what it says, is it's yes or no, you're there or you're not, instead of saying, I'm going to do it on a wing and a promise and a budget next year or the year after, that that doesn't work for what we're looking at for maturity. Number one, it doesn't work. And number two, it doesn't work on whether or not they're secure right now. You know, I mean, and what we're doing as we look at these as assessors is looking at both sides of that equation. Okay, So it's not just one side, it's both sides. And so we can't be saying, oh, they're going to do it in 18 months because that's when their budget comes out. No, that isn't going to fly because they got to have both sides of the equation. I mean, we're looking at practices which are supported by our classic 171 control sets that are out there, but we're also looking at processes and maturity around those efforts and do they answer the mail when something happens and those types of things. And the minute right. you get into the poem rena that's not active and that's what we don't want
0: so vince has got a sore arm because he's itching to
5: <laughs> jump
0: in at yeah, this point.
7: yeah so so i still have a poem and mm-hmm. and and i think uh poem is valid in two cases that i that i wanted to bring up because i i, I realized poem bad and what's really bad is oh i have this get out of jail free card that says, I can plan to do this someday. And, you know, oh, in 2050, I'll get to this. And and then I bypass and I'm still compliant. Right. Mm-hmm. I check that that is bad, but I think there are poems in, in two senses, one for people who are, um uh pursuing NIST 800 171 or have a NIST 800 yep. requir- 171 compliance yep. requirement they still have to have them so don't rip that up and throw it away the second thing is um and I am uh, updating my poem for next year my my date was 15 December to be complete for my level 3 readiness right uh that was what we said our goal as a company uh we're we are you know a- after 15 december we wanted to be ready to go for an auditor walk in the door so of course i, I i've got a couple things still left on that list that i'm going to get done before christmas hopefully but uh we're, we're we're darn close right but for next year my poem is going to be level four right now my comp my you know my main gig my my prime company we 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 see that as a competitive advantage and we know there's not going to be very many companies need it, but we're going to put it on our, our glide slope. Maybe it'll take us a couple of years to get there. Uh, but we're going to start the process and I'm going to have a poem for that. Uh, and what I don't want is a CMMC dispe- inspector to come in and go, oh, you have a poem, you must fail and move on. I, I, I think there is a place for those uh, to advance to the next level as a part of our maturity uh, journey. Right. Yeah.
2: What, and I'll tell you, uh, as an assessor. You know, when you look at a poem, well, first of all, I'll tell you, the biggest problem with poems is that um, eventually they become a business decision. So you've got people who are making, you know, who are responsible for spending the money to uh, remediate whatever is on that poem. Uh So they are likely to prioritize and regardless of what the security requirement is, you know, they're going to look at this from a business perspective. And, you know, I I think I can safely kick that can down the road. And that's the level of attentiveness that gets applied to it at that level. With uh, CMMC and utilizing Vince's example of, you know, I use a poem to get to to level three. That's phenomenal. You know, and as an assessor, if I come in to do Vince's assessment, and I'm going to say, great, Vince, you're level three. Uh, you've got all your, uh, you know, practices and processes and controls in place. And I'm happy with your maturity model. And you say, oh, Dave, I've got a PoAN for level four. I don't care. I'm assessing you to level three, you know. Right. So I'm happy, you know. That you've got one that you because that's a plan and to right. me a poem is a plan so that's yeah. the that's the p so you know if you were just saying i'm going to do this for level four well that's a dream once you write it down as a plan you know so you've got that plan and that's great you know yeah. but when i'm doing that level three assessment i really don't care where you're going i want to know where you are where you've been and how, you think- how you're going to get there
4: I think right. a POEM is, is great to put next to a, a pre-assessment. So if you know eventually you're gonna get to a level three and, and maybe y- you know, you're not bidding this year, you're gonna bid next year, well, 2022, and you have a year out, um, it's still good to do a pre-assessment now so you know what you need to achieve, create a POEM around the pre-assessment summary report that your assess- uh, assessor did and then you can start making your your um, milestones, like you know, by mid year, like next year, I want to have a sem in, so I'm logging that data in 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 time uh, to have that maturity when I get to to a real assessment.
0: Gotcha. Who knew poems would uh, would incite such uh, such passion in you guys? That's awesome. Uh, time check. We have got twenty minutes to go. I'd like to go to Slido because folks have taken the time to. Uh, to raise some questions there. So I think it's fair that we ask them. Um, the first one I, I had was as the, I'm the owner of a cyber consulting company. And by the way, if, if I read your question and you wanted to put your hand up and say, yeah, that was me and, and chat about it, that's fine. I'm the owner of a cyber consulting company. If my company is an RPO with RPs advising our clients on how to reach CMMC level three, Does my organization as an RPO need to be certified at CMMC level three? And I know you do for C3PAOs, but I guess the question is as an RPO, do I need a CMMC level three certification as a company to be able to perform RPO activities or pre assessments with my clients?
5: If you retain CUI, yes. If you don't retain CUI, no. All right, it's about the CUI. Okay.
0: Okay, okay, so to start out, is there a concern, and these are in no particular order, I'm just gonna read them from the top. So um, I tried to get a theme going and a, and a flow going, but these are, these are random. So is there a concise list of objective evidence needed to prove compliance with CMMC? One could go through the final pages of level three, audit guidance, blah, 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 blah. So is there a concise list of objective evidence needed to prove compliance with CMMC level three, I guess?
5: No, this is an assessment. This isn't an audit. So it's up to the assessor to determine the appropriate level of objective evidence to show compliance with the process, the procedures, the capabilities, the practices. Um, There's minimum certainly, but that's a standard NIST view that you have at least two, but there is no set number beyond that that is a requirement for any level of assessment at any point it's up to the assessor and their view
0: every company's different and it's a conversation with your assessor okay Uh, next question how is fundamental research being handled will there be an exception to cmmc for fundamental research as in the dfars 252 204 7000 clause for cui fundamental research Did somebody finally stump our board?
5: No, I'm actually. Um, Are you frantically good. Fundamental no. Fundamental research still <laughs> comes under the criteria around the federal contract information. Number one, um, where it's being done and what's being at what level. You know, whether they're doing fundamental research on quantum or they're doing fundamental research on some sort of risk model, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's, if it's in support of the contract, it will still have to meet the CUI requirements as defined by NARA, okay? And that's who owns that areas. Uh, Is there? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's probably 150 if not 200 research agencies that have contracts with DOD, um, absolutely. And then it becomes incumbent upon the contract officer and the program manager to determine what levels are required.
0: Fantastic answer. Thank you for that, sir. The next question, we see RPOs already, but no C3PAOs. When will they be active right. to start the actual assessing activities? I guess Jeff, you kind of answered that one previously, but if you wanted to got
1: to get on that so the the this the c-3pos are starting to come up on the marketplace today so somebody said uh-huh. earlier they weren't but they actually are now not all of them but a bunch of them be on there? I, I i don't know
6: <laughs> i didn't i didn't look at the list i mean i, I
1: just saw a, a listing so um so that means they've been cleared and there's about uh-huh. 40 about to be cleared so 20 are done 20 are almost done uh-huh. and they still have to go through a dcma DIPCAC ml 3 assessment before they can conduct an assessment. Yeah. So the DOD has that information. As soon as DCMA has done that piece and they've passed, um, then they can start doing assessments. That's the plan.
0: Awesome, thank you for that. We had a, we had a couple of points about six months of maturity. Yeah. I know we, we mentioned that previously. I think we've covered that off. Um, next question, the duration and evidence will depend on the assessor and which area within CMS that Yeah. have, okay. we've, we've covered that. Um, So an assessor is free to determine if the evidence of maturity is sufficient. That seems rather arbitrary. I guess this was the conversation with Leighton and and the evidence. To
6: what uh, what Leighton said earlier, uh, it is a maturity. There's different evidence. Every company is different. So going in there and having that conversation of, What exactly are you doing? I mean, we are all assessors. We have been in the industry until we have to ask questions to satisfy what we're looking for. Sometimes that can be a screenshot of something. Sometimes has to be a screenshot and multiple reports. Sometimes it will be interviewing on top of all that people. I mean, it's, it's really different. Some companies have the evidence right then and there. And sometimes you have to dig uh, for several weeks until you get all the bits and pieces of that puzzle together until it satisfy you that, yep, you are definitely, say, monitoring your logs and you can correlate if there's a potential threat or an incident or anything like that. So it, yeah, yes, it is a bit, well, it's not really arbitrary, but um, we all are in the industry. We know what we need to look for. Uh, so as long as we all work with the company that we're assessing, we should be able to get um, get the same evidence that satisfies the CMMC requirements.
0: Yeah. And don't forget ultimately the CNMCAB are, are on the shoulders of the the assessors to make sure they're doing the right things. So you kind of get in a twofer. It's not necessarily just the, the the conversation you have, it is being checked. Okay. So okay. Um, question for the provisional assessors. Okay, well, that's the uh, the panel will they be limited to performing assessments for the 10 Pathfinder contracts in 2021 or can non Pathfinder assessments be performed?
3: i say if you're a C3PAO, working with them in. You don't have no, anybody, any company that wants to do an assessment can do an assessment if they find a C3PAO that will do the work. Right. And have the assessment.
0: Okay. So, so, yeah, this, this to me is a question about getting ahead of things. You know, we, we see the bow wave, we see what's coming, we see the numbers, um, and we understand that actually it's not an overnight activity to get your certification. So, um, I guess the advice is, you know, start now, I'll <laughs> start. Um, depending on on what your intention is do
5: remember also on assessments there are three year limitation timing on it too so if you get an assessment say a year before you get a contract you're going to have to get another one in the middle of the contract because they are for three year limitation on each of them so you know this rollout process is five years long, which means the companies who go through the first two years are going to have to get it redone before the end of their contract anyway.
0: So You have a gift that keeps on giving, you know, you, you <laughs> popping, these,
5: popping these nuggets out there.
0: Fantastic. Okay. Um, I think that was it with the Slido. I think we've, we've got kind of a couple of minutes to run. What I wanted to do at this point was go through my personal kind of mm-hmm. Uh, things to know about CMMC, the key key points, and then open it up to the panel to add this. Okay, so in no particular order, I'm I'm pretty sure we've covered all of these. You cannot self-certify. CMMC is not a checklist assessment. CMMC deals in evidenced maturity and ensuring a culture of security. And actually we haven't used the C word on this call, culture. This is about your company's Mm -hmm. security culture. It will take some time to gather the required evidence of cybersecurity practice. Gaps in your posture or maturity cannot be compensated with a POEM. And I know we had uh, had some laughs with that one. Um, your cybersecurity practices may need to be revised on multiple levels to certify. Mm. CMMC is binary, no pass, no DOD contracts. CMMC is cumulative to pass level three, you also need to have passed levels one and two. And just to cover this is coming, the first contracts are out it, it's, it feels like it's incumbent to at least have start having conversations about, uh, about what next, because I think there are um, Jeff, you'll confirm this, there are now 75 certified provisional assessors. Is that correct?
1: There's actually a hundred provisional assessors right now um, okay. that are just waiting to get their background checks done.
0: Right. So you've got at least four or five of those on this call. So don't, um, I guess that my, my advice would be, you know, there is a, there will be a supply demand question coming. I know CMCA are heading that off with their phased right. approach. You know. We know. If you want to get ahead of it, then uh, you know it's it, it just uh, it making it start. So, so that's what I had. And I know there are other nuggets around the room. So if guys, uh, if you wanted to, to add anything, um, let's go around the panel. So Leighton, you're always good for uh <laughs> sound bite.
5: OK. Um, keep in mind that this is a progressive view. And so, because it's a progressive view, your evidence not only has to be reflected of what you've done right now and where you're at, but what you've done to get there, Okay, And it's up to the assessor to determine the amount of time necessary to show that. There's no set, it must be six months or it must be three months or it must be 12 months. No, the point is as a maturity model evaluation, You work your way from level one to level two, and then you work your way from level two to level three, understanding those requirements at level one are still applying at a level three. So in the CMMC world, we start off with six areas at level one. In level three, we have 17. Therefore, all 17 have to meet the same that the six did at level one. All right. It's a cumulative viewpoint. All right, so for example, we got in level two policies. There's 15 areas that got to have policies. Well, when you move to level three, we got two more areas. They got to have policies too, not just the plans that level three requires, but the policies that level two requires. All right, so that's that cumulative effect. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I can emphasize enough that it's a binary yes, no at time mm-hmm. of award. All right. yeah. Poems on CMMC items specific to CMMC um, accreditation that you've met the criteria are not allowed.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, sir.
5: Business-wise, absolutely. Other things, no problem. But not when it relates to those areas.
0: That's clear. Thank you, sir. Brian Johnson, did you have any kind of summary words that you wanted to, to share?
3: Yeah, my, my summary would be, and this is the thing that I'm seeing the most, is that uh, the CMMC is such a change, um, a cultural change when it comes to uh, the audit world. I mean, in, in the past, we talked about with this, with POAMs and everything like that, that before that, basically you do an assessment and you had time to clean up those things, so to speak. Uh, this basically takes the goalposts and moves it to the moon when it comes to assessments and to audit. So this is I think the most awakening thing that I've seen and also the most um, conversations I've seen from clients is is over this one specific topic, that it's pass or fail. So yep. and that scares them to death. That's that's the thing that scares them to death is you know, how much preparation do I need to do to to ensure that when we pull the trigger on having the assessor come in, that I'm going to pass it because they could do pre-assessments all day long. But as we all know, IT is a moving target as far as controls mm-hmm. go. So think- you could be 100% compliant today, and tomorrow uh, you, you don't pass, and you just you spent that money for nothing. So that that's the what I'm hearing in the with all the chatter, so to speak. That's the thing that's. The-
0: For sure, I think the DOD intent was to frighten the life out of people because they're sick of seeing replicas of their their hardware being produced by uh, countries other than the U.S. (laughs) We've all seen the photos, right? (laughs) Dave, Fairburn, concluding remarks. Yeah,
2: a couple of things. One, um, understanding that CMNC and the work that they've done from a... from the from the uh, from the board level all the way down to those who have been doing the training on this. This is not a paperwork exercise. This is not getting ready for an audit. This is an ability for all companies to embrace the culture of cybersecurity in a way that will help them in the long run, you know, both in getting contracts, but in keeping contracts. And in, uh, you know, having that degree of confidence that they can not only protect CUI, as is required, but they can protect their own internal uh, information, both PII, uh, you know, their own internal uh, proprietary information and so on, in a way that is going to actually manifest itself in showing insecurity. So, you know, it's embrace it as something that will help you to get better you know, it's kind of like, you know, eat your Brussels sprouts, you know, it's, they taste terrible, but, you know, good things happen. I'd hate to, you know, as much as Jeff would love to have, uh, you know, that Brussels sprout, uh, you know. Attach- I love
1: Brussels sprouts, Dave. Uh,
2: I'm, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> so, you know, eat, eat your Brussels sprouts,
0: Dave, it's a great point. It, you know, we haven't discussed the, the kind of this could be a differentiator for your business. It
2: is. It's doesn't, a huge
0: doesn't, differentiator. Doesn't have to be all medicine. There's some sweetness there. Thanks, yeah. Dave. You bet. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with Dasha. Did you have any uh, closing remarks? And, and Jeff, you're here. I'm going to I'm going to come to you at the, as our exalted uh, CMMCAB guest. I'm going to I'm going to hit you last. But I wonder if Dasha had a, a few final closing remarks.
6: I think this has been great. Yes, CMMC, I'm, I'm excited that uh, it is happening. It really will make a difference in the companies. It is cultural. Uh, it will require a lot of cultural change. It will require everybody to come on board. Um, and I think that's, that's great. That's really great progress. Um, one tip for all companies out there that are considering getting CMMC um, certified and getting a pre-assessment done, please start thinking about your scope. Start thinking about where you are, where do you currently have your CUI, who all accesses it? How is it technologically segmented out? Or if you don't currently have, but want to get into the business or know you're gonna bid on contract, start thinking about it. How, where, what, who will actually have access to that FCI CUI data and try to limit the scope. That's gonna make it a lot easier for the assessors, that's gonna make it a lot easier for you as a company to maintain that environment. And it's also gonna be cheaper in the long run. Yeah,
0: cheaper in the long run is is a fair comment. Thank you, Dasha. All right, Jeff, over to you. I have one question for you. I know the AAB is is very particular about what you can and can't say about this stuff. So first up, please tell me we didn't cross any lines.
1: (laughs) I always push the envelope on that, but I think I'm good.
0: Okay. What um, What have we missed, Jeff? Well,
1: this has been an. Inc- I mean, I, I actually came to listen to these folks talk because they're the experts in the industry. I mean, they their experience with cyber and 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 helping clients improve performance is the best in the industry. That's how they got into the program. So I actually came to learn. Um, I'm not a cyber expert like like Dasha is or or Leighton is, not to that extent. Um, So it's really gratifying to hear that there's other people out here talking about CMMC with intelligence. And, you know, there's so many, so many uh, things going on 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 social media with people giving webinars that don't know what they're talking about. And some people that should know better talking about certain things, but it was really nice to hear, you know, such such an esteemed group speak with such intelligence about the CMMC and also frankly just selfishly of me the assessment method which was which was my work so it's really exciting to hear you all talk about that you're actually going to go do this thing and it it makes it makes me realize that you know the thousands of hours we've put into this as volunteers has really really starting to pay off I mean things are really starting to roll now. And it's super exciting. So I I had a blast listening to all your talk. I I do want to leave you with with two little messaging things that would really help uh, for all of you to talk about in the market. And, And I simplify it this way. CMMC isn't hard. Protecting national security is hard. And you should be doing that regardless of CMMC. We see a lot on social media saying CMMC is going to be this massive burden for my company. And the answer is, no, it's not. Protecting your data and networks from adversaries is going to be a massive effort on all our parts. It's
0: the right thing to do, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And Dasha
1: said it. I mean, this is about protecting our assets against adversaries. And, you know, CMMC is, is just a baseline. It's not hard what's hard is protecting national security, which y'all should have been doing, not y'all, but we all should have been doing it already, right? And I think we've all learned that lesson the hard way this week. Um, The second thing messaging wise that I think would be really great is CMMC is not expensive. You know, we hear a lot of talk about, oh, it's gonna be $100,000, it's gonna be 50,000, it's gonna be 3,000, whatever the number is, it doesn't make any difference because what's expensive is protecting national security. What's what's expensive is protecting our networks and our data. If we're not doing it today and we're just letting anybody in our networks, yes, it's going to be expensive to protect national security. That has nothing to do with CMMC. Now the CMMC uh, assessment, yeah, there's cost to it because there's people of your caliber delivering them and there's cost to that and that's okay. It's It's a market thing, but the cost is high if you're not protecting national security. And that's really how we have to think about it this argument about it's going to be way too costly or way too little, it's irrelevant. What's important is what's it going to cost to protect national security. So those are just two right. things that I, I hope everyone can kind of get behind.
0: For sure. For thank you. Uh, my absolute pleasure having you. Prevention is cheaper than cure, for sure. So that just leaves me to sincerely thank everyone on our panel, to so sincerely thank everyone that joined in. Um, the I guess the video will be available on YouTube. We'll, we'll put that out there. Um, yeah, just be safe, everyone, because this virus is still kicking ass. I know we've got some folks on here that are recovering. Um, just be safe, um, be healthy. Happy holidays. Um, I think uh, 2021 that we're going to see a lot of pent up um, demand being released into the market. It's going to it's going to be a busy busy year. So. Um, wish everyone well, let's say I uh, uh, hope you have a fantastic uh, bit of a break over the holiday period, holiday period, and thanks again for joining, we truly appreciate it, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure hosting this.
6: Thank you so much everyone, really appreciate it, enjoyed it, and um, all the best, happy holidays if we don't talk or see you before that.